0: been an awakening have you felt it light it up
1: Welcome to unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in because here's where the fun begins. Well, you know, Barb, Kara, we've been back from Chicago for a couple weeks now, and mm-hmm. kind of reacclimated. Yeah. And it, it, natural, anytime you come back from a, a long and especially. Highly emotionally charged trip. You often like have some time to kind of reflect on stuff. And as I was reflecting on Star Wars celebration in Chicago, I had this memory. As I'm walking from the hotel to the convention hall. And and, and mind you, for those of you that weren't there, the entire thing, you can go from the hotels to the convention hall all all indoors if mm-hmm. you can navigate your way through the labyrinth of corridors. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I'm walking. And, of course, um, hundreds if not thousands of people are dressed up in cosplay. And as I'm walking down the carpeted hallway of the Hyatt Regency McCormick Place in Chicago, uh, coming from the other direction is a little girl, I'm guessing maybe nine years old, tops, Hmm. average height, average body size, all that stuff, right? Just like like a normal, average little girl. She's dressed up, by the way, as uh, an imperial officer. Hmm. And I thought, as I'm walking toward her and we're closing the gap, I thought, well, that's kind of, that's kind of cute. And so I naturally just started smiling at her, just like, (laughs) as to acknowledge without word, I like your costume. You look great. May the force be with you. Carl. Yeah. That nine-year-old. (laughs) <laughs> Stole my soul. She she looked through me, Carl. She oh. looked through. She didn't. She didn't even think about smiling. She just. She stared me down. Yeah. Listen, Stop she's off. an I, imperial I, officer. I, it's true. I mean, it, I was. I I didn't even know how to handle it. I, I, as we actually crossed paths, I I was. I confess I was scared to like look back and see if she was like <laughs> still staring at me, uh, so nonetheless, um, while it was a great time in chicago i this is going to activate my PTSD at some point or another oh, i 'm no. sure of it I know I know it 's true it 's true, so nonetheless um, listen, listeners, if that was your daughter well done well <laughs> yes. done she she is living up to the highest calling of Imperial and and First Mm -hmm. Order standards. So a fantastic job. Pat yourselves on the back. Well, up, my little tauntauns. Welcome to this 180th edition of Unmistakably Star Wars. My name is Devin Klepper. I am your curator of content for this evening's journey. Joining me in the USW studio headquarters located amongst the redwood trees and Ewoks of California, the one and only (laughs) Barb the Canadian.
2: That's me. Hey, everybody.
1: Also joining us, he is the Mouth of the South, the one and only Mr. Carl Hassler.
0: Well, thank you. And Devin, you know, sometimes you call me the thunder from down under. Yes. <laughs> I do want to let you know I had a goal. I, had, I wanted to achieve some self-improvement. Mm. And for a while I've been working at it. And this Sunday I realized I had achieved it. So you can add a couple of words to that introduction when you introduce Whoa. me in the future. I now, after mm-hmm. seeing Endgame Sunday as we record this yesterday, mm-hmm. I now realize I have reached my goal of having the body of Thor. Oh, thank you. Think so? Yes. (laughs) Wow. You can call me the God of Thunder from down under. From now on, the God of Thunder from down
1: under. Um, First off, congratulations on your six-pack abs and your beach body. Um, My my (laughs) wife often says I looked exactly like Thor in a dark room. So congratulations on that. I, I will add that to the show notes for future reference.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And um, guess what, guys? Eve is away on special assignment, which is podcast code for She Ain't With Us Tonight. Uh, <laughs> we wish her the best. She's been a little under the weather, so we hope mm. that our salty Philly one uh, returns next week. Listen, we've got some fun stuff to talk about this week's episode. in uh, addition to other things, my goodness, they're <laughs> – I'm not sure a week can go by... Where there isn't some type of disturbance on Twitter that has fans grabbing pitchforks and torches and, and heading for the opposition so we're going to talk a little bit about the stir the disturbance and the force that was caused by this Darth Vader Dark Visions comic book that came out this last week we're also going to talk about George Lucas you may remember him in Star Wars lore he is I believe still considered official canon George Lucas uh, actually makes an entrance uh, more menacing than Vader in Rogue One perhaps we're going to talk a little bit about. about. About that. And then, aw, snap, the snap that killed Star Wars. We're going to talk about that as well. And then, our closer look topic for this week hyperspace, full speed ahead, or hibernation. There has been talk at one point that there's going to be a Star Wars film every year from here until eternity. And then now, Disney CEO Bob Iger, as well as Kathleen Kennedy, are kind of dialing that back and saying, "Ah, maybe not so much. So, we're going to ask the question tonight in our closer look topic. How might a film hiatus actually benefit the franchise and fandom as well? With that, let's jump into our top three news stories of the week. Number three. All right. As uh, you well know, whether you've seen it or not, and certainly this will be a spoiler-free episode of Unmistakably Endgame. Um, <laughs> Avengers Endgame is um, tearing up the box office. It is only opening weekend has gone by. There are $1.2 billion, which again is higher than the GDP of any one of a number of countries added together with any one of a number of other countries. Mm. And Thor and company seem to be on a roll with this. As of our recording tonight, it looks like, that They might even, dare I say, have a chance at dethroning the perennial champ of the box office. That is Avatar with $2.7 billion mm. wow. worldwide. It, is, of course, um, has outpaced The Force Awakens. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Barb, Carl, you both have seen Game. I have not at uh, this point yet. Barb, let me begin with you on this. Yep. When we see... What Marvel's done, this has been the culmination of roughly, I want to say, 11 to 13 years worth of films that we're finally getting the the capstone film on here. When we see that, is that good for cinema goers? Does it actually impact the future of other cinema? Will it entice others to get out of their houses and go to the theater?
2: Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. I think that Marvel has just done a fabulous job at showing us what can be done with a series of films um, the way they have, you know, with the standalone character specific movies. And then, you know, the group Avenger movies, we've had four of them now with Endgame. It's, it's just incredible the way that they can incorporate so many characters with such story depth Mm. And as well as give us those films that are more in depth on a specific character yeah. and tie all of those in to this, you know, the big the big Avenger movies that tie all the characters in. And it's it's hard because you go to Endgame and people were saying things like, What what movie would you recommend watching other than an Avengers movie mm. to get ready for this? Yeah. And <laughs> it's just it's crazy because there's so much content mm. that Marvel has put out there that you can't you can't just watch one and know what's going on. Yeah. But all of them in my opinion for the most part are just stellar and they've just they've just put the icing on the cake with Endgame and I can't wait to see how you know other studios emulate this.
1: I think that's one of the things that impresses me. I, I Listen, I won't classify myself as a Marvel fan, per se, and certainly I have no dog in the fight when it comes to Marvel versus DC. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with the District of Columbia, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, it, but it's interesting to me. We've talked about this part before on the show, and that is there's something special about a serial.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that really with 13 films, they have... Effectually, like made a serial of films where they've had a chance to explore the depth of these characters. That is certainly something that has lacked in the sequel. Well, I won't even say the sequel trilogy, but just the, the Disney mm-hmm. star Wars additions to the box office. Yeah. Carl, let me ask you from your perspective. And again, not looking for spoilers, right. but what makes this, such a box office behemoth. What what makes this particular film so doggone irresistible?
0: There's a lot, lot of it there. Um, you know, you, I, I was thinking sort of the same thing when you mentioned serials too. I had been thinking about this too. You know, what it would be more George Lucas than yes. you know, instead of making the serial the thing before the movie, make the movies a serial. And I think that is mm. one thing that you mentioned, and I think is is a key to it. They have put together like 22 films uh that can be seen independently but also tie into each other Mm. so uh, they they would put characters in and out of movies one thing you know i thought the last jedi sort of felt like it it had to cram a bunch of of characters in that maybe ryan johnson wasn't as interested in or didn't really know exactly how to use the characters and so part of the movie you could it almost seemed like it had a lot of passion in it, the other part To seemed like it was just something for the others to do for a little while. Mm-hmm. Where you know, Marvel they they if you if you're not needing a movie they they can do it without you. And then only in these big movies do they come together with, with everything. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's part of mm-hmm. it, that you could stretch that out and you don't feel obligated, well we gotta use this the same cast of characters for three movies. Um they they've kinda even though it was innovative when, when Star Wars and when the originals did it It is – it's kind of putting yourself in a pinhole now. Um, Really, really
1: well said. I'm with you on that
0: one. Let me stick with you
1: and and then follow up with this, Carl. When it comes Mm -hmm. to Avengers Endgame or or the Marvel Universe in general and and Star Wars, listen, I know we can't compare apples to oranges, superheroes to the mythology Mm -hmm. of of the Star Wars. However, however, there are – some crossovers when it comes to how are things planned out. Right. There's a there's a shared story group. There There mm-hmm. is uh, what we would hope is kind of a trajectory of where things are heading. Mm-hmm. Y- you're, you're on the record uh, several times actually on this podcast of saying, hey, one of the things that you really appreciated that Marvel has done is they kind of had the end in mind from the very right. beginning. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What do you think that means when it comes to this sequel trilogy and future trilogies that we may get within the Star Wars universe? Do you think that Lucasfilm is learning a lesson via Marvel?
0: I hope so. Um, the trilogies that aren't yet, or the series of movies that aren't out yet, the ones that are in planning stages, seem to be we're going to have Ron Johnson in charge of this set, and we're going to have um, Benioff and Weiss in charge of this set. And then even we've heard lately, hopefully true, they're even talking to each other. So uh, I think having, you know, say what you want to about George Lucas and the first two trilogies, they see, you know, yes you could tell that there were things added in Return of the Jedi that may not not have been there from the beginning, but he had an overall vision of what the story was. He may have tweaked it as he actually wrote the scripts for each one, but he had an overall vision. And the same thing for, you know, episodes one, two, and three. So I just don't feel that's the case, and maybe it's just because when I see a different director, and this director came in here and this director came in there, maybe my mind just tricks me into seeing it that way. Mm -hmm. But I honestly don't think that, that it was totally as planned out or at least a skeleton was there for uh, the directors and writers to work on those two so hopefully they will learn that lesson and i think to me like i said how they have announced the ones that are coming out i think they are taking a pause to really do that
1: mm. well said barb when it comes to this and looking at box office receipts <laughs> We can, we can talk another time whether that's a true measure of a film success or not. I mean, it's funny how so many people were bagging on Solo and it got, quote, unquote, bad box office. And Ron Howard said, you know, actually, this film far exceeded anything else that I've done for at least for an opening weekend. And when we think of other Ron Howard movies, he's, he's had a couple of good ones here yeah. or there. Yeah. So I, I think right, it all has to do with perspective on that. Let me ask you this though: Has Marvel has the in-game movie? Has it just set the standard by which all other movies are going to now be measured?
2: Not, I would not say all other movies. I'd say
1: okay. Well, let's. i say, so let's say with, with, Yeah, within movies. the genre, obviously, we we yeah. won't expect you know the Notebook three to uh, <laughs> to reach proportions like this. No,
2: I mean, I think you know. You said something very significant in, you know, Ron Howard has had some very successful movies. He's, I believe he's won an Oscar for best director. I believe one of his movies has won best Best picture. And I guarantee that those movies did not even come close to uh, the box office receipts that we're talking about with Endgame. So when you're talking about, do movies need to take a lesson from what Marvel is doing. It really depends on the goal of the movie and what they're trying to achieve. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're looking at this type of blockbuster in this genre of superhero film and just the type of movie that so many people out there, whether you're a hardcore Marvel comic-con fan, or just even the average Marvel fan, it's going to hit people on so many different levels. And their storytelling in, as you said, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has known where it's going and all these movies tie Mm -hmm. in. So that can be a framework for a lot of other blockbuster serial movies, things that want to follow that line um, because I think that's one of the things that draws the fan into these movies is, you know, I went and saw, for instance, Captain Marvel last month mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure I saw it before I saw Endgame mm-hmm. because I knew there'd be enough information in there that I'd yeah. want to know going into sure. Endgame. Right. And I think that's one of the brilliant things that Marvel has done with their movies is they make it so that people want to see every bit of the story that mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. tie into the bigger picture. Yeah. Great I'm- point. Yeah, so movies movies and movie makers can definitely take lessons from that if that's where they want to go. I'd be
1: curious. Can I add, oh yeah, go ahead. Carl, jump there in with, there.
0: Go you're ahead. right. You know, Barb is absolutely right. You're right, Barb, on that. And one thing that, that Endgame did with all these 21 movies or so that came before it, it did a lot of what is sometimes looked at as a bad word. It did a lot of fan service mm. in this mm-hmm. Endgame. And so when I I would say I tweeted I texted you guys today that was the best theatrical experience you know seeing a movie in a theater that i've ever had people were cheering people and you know were hollering you know my son was saying stuff to the screen i mean it was just (laughs) he's 12 and he's it's it was they did fan service and you know people look at that as a bad thing it's just like anything else it can be bad it can be good when you just kind of mail it in and do some fan service type things people want to see, but you don't put any creativity behind it, then yeah, it's going to be plain and dull and boring. But when you, you know, there were so many things in that movie from other movies. And and one that I even thinking about today I, I was like oh yeah that's from that i, I didn't even realize it at the time because so much was going on even something from a tv show that most people mm. didn't see that was marvel oriented. there was one little thing in there and, and right before they said something I'm like oh that's that guy and they introduced him as that guy so some people knew it some people didn't um to and to me just me personally the last jet i seem to want to have no fan service at all that it, you know, I think sometimes these directors and writers go, "I don't want to do anything that people can guess." And sometimes they may have a, a better story idea that they could tell better, but they think, "Well, some of that's predictable. Let me just be sure I can do something that people don't see coming." And then, if that's their goal, they may not actually come up with a story that they can actually tell and, and do as well. So, that's what I hope. Uh, Star Wars kind of learned from this too is it is okay to put stuff in there that the fans kind of expect to see and want to see because some of the biggest cheering and roaring was something that people it was really kind of a joke in an earlier movie but it got people talking about something without spoilers Mm. and then it happened and it, it that was to me the best part of the movie blew me away people were going crazy so uh, that's the kind of thing I would like to see them at least say, you know what, fans want to see something like this. If I can tell a good story about it, I will. Not I'm not going to just avoid it just because people may want it or expect it.
2: Yeah, and at that point, like, my, I saw it with my husband today, and he can't remember anything. And so he turned <laughs> to me at that point, and I'm like, yeah, it was in a past Avengers movie, this one specifically, and then I had to tell him afterwards. Mm-hmm. And there were a few other times he's like, wait, what's that from? And I'm like, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and, you know, <laughs> All yeah. of these things that you can relate back to all of these movies and you know, Carl's absolutely right. It's I think that Lucasfilm can take a lesson from that too, with all of the different avenues that we now have with rebels and resistance mm-hmm. and yes. now we're getting the Mandalorian. Yeah. How mm-hmm. they're gonna be able to tie this into future movies that maybe not every film goer will be able to get the connection, but a lot will and a lot will appreciate it for that yes. connection.
1: I think that that's what the the hope is, right? Mm-hmm. That we add depth to what we do get. Exactly, I, Barbara. Let me just ask you this, and then Carl, I'm going to ask you as well. So, okay, right now we're at 1.2 billion, <laughs>
0: billion, billion billion. Billion.
1: Billion with a whole <laughs> b. <laughs> um, the Force Awakens got 2.07 billion worldwide. Mm. So it's it's and and. Avatar, again, is at the top of that ginormous heap, sitting with $2.78 billion. Huh. A key component of this, and we'll get in this as closer as we get to episode 9, but a key component of this is Star Wars has not done well in China.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's just the
1: fact. And, and, yeah, and Marvel right. and Avatar ha- have done very well in, in China. Let me ask you this, Barb. Do you think that this last... Summary statement, episode nine is going to be the biggest grossing Star Wars film.
2: Ooh. Well, right now it's The Force Awakens. Right. That's correct. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would like it to be. I don't...
1: So would Disney shareholders.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it'll do it or not. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be pessimistic. I'd like it to, but it's just for Star Wars possibly it will not beat Marvel at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting and I want to know your answer to that, Carl. So let me get that mm-hmm. and then I've got a follow-up question for you. So do you think that this is going to be this meaning episode 9 is going to be the biggest grossing Star Wars film?
0: I think it has a chance, but you know, if you just kind of look at tradition, I believe the tradition is first movie does the best, second movie does the worst, and third movie does somewhere in between. Um mm. so I and Force Awakens was everybody was excited to see that after such a long time away, and that pumped it up. This is the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. If if they hit a home run with this movie. Um I think putting all the characters together, having them on this adventure together, having the you know the the emperor instead of some villain, you know, Snoke that we really weren't sure who he was, the villain we can uh emperor we can sort of yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I, he's bad. Let's go see what's going on. If they do that, if they do a good job with it, I, people might. People might. And I think they have a good a, a good chance at it. But I'd still say probably they'll fall a little bit short of the Force Awakens.
1: Well, it's interesting and you brought this up too, and that is The line, the tightrope act of fan service, but not falling into tropes. Right. And I I think it'll be interesting. I I think that if episode nine, the rise of Skywalker is going to get anywhere close to the force awakens, there's going to have to be more fan service and more nostalgia than, than probably the the last Jedi brought for a lot of, a lot of people, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We've got some time there. Um, listen, Going on to story two. (laughs) Number two. All right, next up in our news this week, I don't know how many of you are keeping up with the Marvel comics. Speaking of Marvel, the Marvel comics, (laughs) Star Wars. uh, There is a line that came out not too long ago, Darth Vader, Dark Visions. Um, With the title, we think Perhaps we're going to get one kind of story. It hasn't necessarily turned out like that. Here's kind of the, the angle to give you a little bit of context if you're not familiar with it. And that is this. that The aim of this series, Dark Visions, is to give us a lens to which we should see Darth Vader through other people's eyes. People that we wouldn't necessarily see Vader through. So not just a bunch of troops inside the, uh, the Tantive of four trying to get off with the plans, but um, <laughs> just sometimes the, the everyday person, which is interesting to go there. Some other context to help you to kind of fill in some blanks. And that is, this was originally supposed to be a series where star Wars author Chuck Wendig had a high influence on the storyline, if not writing it outright for some reasons. Uh, I, I I guess it has to do with some social media usage. Mr. Windig was released from his duties of writing the series. The title kind of changed names as well as authors. And so here we are, no longer Shadow Evader, but now Dark Visions. Hmm. All right, there's your background context. Now, to this latest episode, which... My gosh, it just kind of starts off like a raging dumpster fire, even with the, <laughs> the name of the comic. This particular comic is entitled Tall, Dark, and Handsome. Um, here's what it is. For those of you that uh, are old enough to remember the 1990s and Jennifer Jason Leigh playing in a film called Single White Female, <laughs> we've got the Star Wars version of it right here and now. Here, here's basically what we got. got. We, we have a low-level Imperial medical officer. Um, medical assistant. And among her other duties is she often assists in helping Vader um, in and out of the Bacta tank um, and or taking skin samples and all that stuff. At one point, it, it's actually part of... This is canon now. It's, it's scary to say this is part of canon. <laughs> she collects uh, like the dead skin cells and, and like keeps them as mementos. Um, anything that she can... <laughs> It's so hard for me to keep a straight face. Anything that she can get that Vader slash Anakin has touched, she's a collector. Um, and at one point, um, she has these fantasies, and, and it kind of goes <laughs> into this, uh, again, if you don't remember the 1990s and romance novels, this you'll have to look up this reference. But she kind of has this Fabio moment where she envisions herself <laughs> like clutched in the arms of Darth Vader, and it's this... Harlequin romance novel thing going on, and it's so completely out of the typical Star Wars. And so, to make things even more fun, she has these other fantasies of becoming a Sith, joining him, choking her boss who belittles her and berates her and all that stuff. All right, so there's some more context for you. Gets even better for you, listeners. <laughs> her Her little scab collection that she's got going on... Ugh. Her boss takes it, throws it out, and she loses her junk. Loses her mind, right? And as she's trying to recover, she goes into, <laughs> she goes into the room where Vader is... Uh, you recall maybe in Empire Strikes Back where we get just a fraction of a second of Vader's helmet going on and we all lost our minds because <laughs> we saw something by, that wasn't covered by a helmet. And so she she gets to see... Anakin, Vader, w- without the helmet on. And she approaches him, um, and he ignites his lightsaber and thrusts Ew. it through her chest, <laughs> and then tells the other people present to, to quite literally, and I'm quoting here, take care of the trash. Um, as you might guess, <laughs> Star Wars fans, Um, social media did not react all too kindly to this. There was everything from what in the world have I just read to, of course, um, those who would label themselves as social justice warriors. Um, and even people that probably don't use that label would go, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we seeing play out here with this, this questionable psychopathic young woman who is, has these fantasies about power and Vader and then, She's just killed and referred to as trash. Hmm. So with that being said, Barb, <laughs> oh. let me ask you first. Great. When you understand the context of this and, and where this is going and, and how it's unfolded and all that stuff. And, of course, we had a couple of articles that we read previous to tonight's recording. What are your initial thoughts with this? I mean, we're, th- this, this is from Marvel who gave us Jackson the Green Rabbit. Is this, is this a bridge too far, though? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And say why.
2: Um, We're talking about a comic book here that is canon. Mm -hmm. And this is a story that is absolutely unnecessary. Um, Everything that happened, you know, in it, um, the treatment of a woman in this, all of that is absolutely unnecessary and not Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, it just... It's just—it's not okay.
1: Yeah, and, and so let me let me go a little further down the rabbit hole with you, though, because I I think most would agree with you. In fact, a lot of social media said like this isn't even good fan fiction, let alone officially oh, licensed. Well, canon. and and see, that's wow. what
2: I originally thought. Reading this, I'm like, this would be something I would find in fanfic, yeah. not and and not good fanfic. Right, and I've. I've read some fanfic, and there are some really, really good stories out there. Agreed, agreed. If I had found this in there, this would not be one of them. Yeah. And that saddens me when we're talking about something that's canon. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: And so even above that, to go even more macro... So, Barb, let me go a little further down the rabbit hole with you. And so as a woman, and as a woman who's raising three daughters, when you see this... Is this, quite frankly, the stuff of nightmares? I mean, how far back do you think that we're setting the powerful female character with issues like this? <sighs>
2: <laughs> Spill it. That's It's a really hard question to answer because, you know, I was reading some of it. And the thing is, are there people out there that have weird fantasies, weird attractions. Sure. There are. Yes. You know, it's it's not so far-fetched that we should be completely outraged. Yeah. You know, and I am saying this as a woman. I, you know, it's... I don't like reading it. I don't think that they treated the woman well in this at all. It was definitely unnecessary. But at the same time, there are people like that out there. You know, there are people that deal with this kind of thing. It did not need to be in a comic book. Yeah. And yes, as a mom with three girls, this this treatment, the treatment of the woman, the infatuation that she has that the comic book basically belittles her. Yeah. for it from what I read of it, which was not much, it made her look very Small minded and stupid and just not something I would ever want my girls to read, obviously emulate anything like that. And that's what upsets me about something like this is we're talking about the Star Wars universe. We're talking about canon here. This story is absolutely unnecessary and I would not want any young girl reading it.
1: And you brought up several great points there, and thank you for that. And I think the other thing, as you were describing it from your perspective, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is a, a, a variation of Glenn Close's character, Alex, from Fatal Attraction. <laughs> and, and, and for those of you that look at the art, whether you have the comic or not, you can just go on and search the title. I mean, there's some artwork that really, in and of itself, alone from the dialogue and the storyline, just really paints this young woman in an incredibly just, like, horrible light. Carl, let me ask you, you know, mm-hmm. one of the other things, this is literally a quote that Vader says after he kills her, mm-hmm. get this garbage mm-hmm. out of my quarters. And mm-hmm. so, for you, is right. that is that so out of tune, out of sync with Star Wars as we know it? Or do you think that, ah, uh, you know what, artistic expression, I see where they're going with this. And therefore, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the best choice, but eh, I can see Anakin slash Vader saying that.
0: I mean, Anakin's a bad guy, right? I mean, we're not we're not he's not held well. Darth Vader is a bad guy. He's not held up to be what we want to emulate. Although, you know, there are people who pull for the bad guys and things like that in, in the real world or in fiction so yeah uh, i mean if you just take the gingers out and just sort of i mean the story is kind of you know it's almost like a tales from the crypt type thing uh you know mo- comic book from the past where you know somebody is just idolizing somebody who is evil and terrible and and, and putting them up on a pedestal maybe making a shrine to them and so you know the yeah. ironic thing is that the person they're praising and wanting to be like and help is such an evil person that when you come near them or get or intrude upon their space, they kill you. So I could see uh Darth Vader totally doing that. So it's kind of the twist of oh, you liked him so much and you thought he was a great and then it ends up killing you. So I, and and Chuck Wendig even had tweeted something out about he had written something very similar except it was a, a male technician instead of female who just sort of, you know, liked Vader but you know, tried to approach him and say how much they wanted he wanted to be friends or whatever and it didn't work out well for him. So I think that overall, I see what the person's trying to do, but at the same time, you know, especially now in today's time, having a you know, it's not a romantic relationship, but it is you know, from the nurse's perspective, it is, and you know, any any abusive relationship where you know a man is is you know beating a woman hurting a woman killing a woman is is not something that we really you know thankfully it's something that today people really frown on people are losing their jobs over it if it comes out in public where if they've been abusive so you know it, it, there's a reckoning coming about where people men got away with it for a long time and now they're not so that's good you know me too me too movement and everything so and to sort of put that in a comic book at a time period when we're really addressing this and and having to come to grips with something that most people think is terrible but has been something that's been kept under the rug and people have gotten away with for a long time it's kind of that's it's, it's just not in good form and, and so yes I, I don't think it's appropriate uh so i guess i just i'm kind of on both sides of it i know what they're trying to do but it's just something you should know that is in bad taste and not something we want to have out there
1: well said, because it, it honestly like this is an easy topic, especially as we're we 're not engaged in a conversation with anyone other than ourselves, so uh, obviously, as people listen to this, it, we certainly don 't want to give any room for misunderstanding or anything like that, which is always tough when whether we 're doing a podcast or interacting on social media, which is probably the worst place to try to have deep conversations and that are meaningful, right. but mm-hmm. at the same time i i'm with Elements of what both of you said, and I think the heart of both of that is this just doesn't really seem like Star Wars. It just seems like, hey, we've got a dead—okay, can I just say this? It feels like one of my students who says, oh, is that due today? I guess I better do it at break before I've got Cleffer's class in the afternoon.
2: Well, that that was one of the main points that I was taking from this is if we're going to have these— you know comics and other forms of media for star wars be canon yeah it needs to be something that we would be okay seeing in a star wars film and there is no way in any of the star wars films and the star wars story i know that we would see darth vader killing a woman with his lightsaber like that and and degrading her the way that he did he's I understand that they want to get this very dark side of who he is. But this is going too far. And Mm. we get enough idea of the darkness of Vader from all of the movies. Rogue One really shows that without going to the extent that this comic book has done. And I guarantee if a scene like this was in a Star Wars movie... The backlash that you, you, social media got from the comic, it would be ten thousand times worse. I'll
1: agree with that part, but I, I want to push back a little bit on that because we we have seen Vader do things. I mean, he killed a bunch of younglings for crying yeah. out loud. So did
2: you did you see that?
1: Well, I, did I see it in cinematic moving picture form? No, it was, in, it was implied. Exactly. Okay.
2: So, I mean, it's it's horrible, okay. and we know that he's horrible, yeah. but it just.
1: So if the killing in the, in the comic was implied, you'd be okay with it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> now you're throwing me under the bus. <laughs> no, I just, no, I
1: don't mean to. I, normally, I would do that. Yes, I, I would certainly do that. But to this one particular time, I'm just mm-hmm. wanting clarification. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's it's very horrible what Darth Vader does at the end of Revenge of the Sith with the younglings. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. It would have mm-hmm. been traumatizing if they had made that visual. Yeah, yeah. It was... Yeah. It was implied. You you knew what happened, and it was awful. But because they can imply it off screen, it it doesn't have as profound an effect. Okay. So I, it's hard to say with this comic book and what it's doing. I just I cannot see Darth Vader doing that in film form.
1: Yeah. I well I think that just to add to it. I I can see him obviously killing people, being ruthless. Mm-hmm. I, I think the two things that continue to swirl around my mind is this or are this. One, how much of this is based on where we're at as a culture and society right now? I think that uh-huh. there are, are so many stories in the news about, Carl, you brought up Me Too, but we, we've uh-huh. had so many stories of power plays and s- sexual abuse and physical abuse uh-huh. and, and so many things that it just seems like it's more or less like forget whether it's good Star Wars or not, it's just very tone deaf when it comes right. to what's happening politically and culturally right now. Mm-hmm. And the and the other part of it is, I think that I continue to wrap my mind around, is which part of this, if we were to kind of deconstruct a little bit, obsesses the most? Is it that he he killed this young woman? Is it that this woman is just portrayed as an obsessive fan? Uh, or is it, it, it is the worst part of this the fact that the language used to describe her as garbage is maybe again going a bridge too far. Carl, any insight on
0: that? I think it's just, uh, I think it's really all of them. I mean, it's just sure. each individual piece that you mentioned is is bad in and of itself, but to put all those things together, you know, we're we're a lot more sensitive society than we used to be that 's not i 'm not saying that it 's a bad thing necessarily right, but it just right we're we, more you know're we're, more we're, empathetic right right, and so you know the part of her being mentally unstable okay we you know that that 's something that people would hide because they didn 't want to seek help because they didn 't want to have the stigma of being you know mental any kind of mental illness they may have, so that that makes it tougher to treat people like that, so we don 't want to use it for entertainment purposes and 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 just sort of put it out there like oh that woman is crazy and so to, you know and so she's looked down upon and he killed her and it's okay cuz she's just crazy you know so those that by itself is bad enough we, we we pull away from that because we want the society in general people to be able to seek help and not fear how people are going to look at them and and as you already said you know we're we're at a moment where women are standing up for things that have been going on for you know really forever, but you know in this country for decades, um, and and finally there's there's the, the pendulum is swinging the other way where not all the way there there are times where they're not heard or believed, but it's 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 louder than it used to be as far as people listening and understanding what's going on. So again, we don't want to encourage or show a a man abusing a woman too. So all those things together right now are hitting in a place where. We as a society are trying to push back and say, we took those things too lightly in the past and we don't want to do that. So we, so to put it in a comic book form, in a science fiction, science fantasy um, com, you know, storyline, is using it more just for entertainment purposes as, a, as opposed to maybe if we're going to tell those stories, do it in a way that would encourage people to seek help or stand up for themselves or do that sort of thing. That's where we are right now, and that's just kind of throwing us back. You know a few decades or, or a few years so i think all those together are things that we don't like to see anymore and therefore it is caused the outrage
1: with you and, and well said both of you thank you both for sharing those insights all right let's get to our number one story of the week number one all right as was mentioned at star wars celebration in chicago and has been written about because of some interviews since that time uh, this guy named George Lucas that you may or may not have heard of, uh, fairly, fairly famous on the uh, the set of Star Wars, um, was said to be consulting with J.J. Abrams. J.J. apparently actually reached out to George Lucas prior to even figuring out how to wrap this thing up. He said, he being J.J. Abrams, said at Star Wars Celebration, one of the first things he did was actually reach out to George Lucas, ask, hey, how, how how would you go about wrapping this thing up? He goes on to say that, you know, it's one thing to make episode nine a film unto itself, but at the same time, in addition to that chore, bringing the story to its sunset. So, Barb, when it comes to George Lucas being, a, we'll loosely use the term, a consultant, a resource for episode nine, is that good? Is that bad? Do you think that JJ was just doing that out of, kindness or do you think that there's actually some benefit to seeking insight from george lucas
2: uh i think there's absolutely benefit from seeking insight from george lucas i know that he's he's not really a part of where it's going to go anymore but that doesn't mean that the creator of the star wars universe doesn't have some good insights um when i think back to solo Ron Howard himself said that he had George Lucas sitting with him on one of the scenes. Right. And he gave insight about, you know, I think Han Solo would do this. Yeah. And Ron Howard took that into consideration and I think he used that. Right, right. Uh, I don't know specifically what it was, but we're, yeah, we're talking about the creator of Star Wars. And whatever criticism or uh, praise we give him, he is going to have good insight, especially as to where the saga that he began might end mm. whether jj J. abrams is going to incorporate a lot of what he said a little none i have no idea yeah but that doesn't mean that george lucas couldn't have said a few tidbits here or there that jj uh, J. abrams might um take into consideration
1: yeah well said carl from your perspective uh-huh. do you think that the who's that were or in some cases still are <laughs> put <laughs> off put off by the prequels do you think mm-hmm. that this is a cringeworthy moment or do you think that, you know what, some people are just not going to like anything you do regardless?
0: Some people are just not going to like anything you do regardless. There are some people who want to set out ahead of time not liking it before they've seen it or know anything about it just right. because they want to stir up trouble. They like stirring that pot, but um, I-, I think the difference between this and the prequels is that George Lucas is just one voice instead of the overall you know, dictation. Dictating what what everything is going to be, yeah. um, with really no so. And I think it is. It's always helpful. I think to have other people that you can trust and sound off ideas and bounce ideas off. And I think that makes both parties, J. J. Abrams and George Lucas, stronger. As far as you know, somebody says this and somebody can take this. I mean, you can you can look at George Lucas. And you can there's okay. He's not a perfect person. There's things that he has, he doesn't necessarily what? do as well. Hey, whoa, whoa, <laughs> yes. whoa, whoa! Back it up! Back it up! What?
2: What Star
1: Wars? I know no one else has on? said that.
0: Um, I'm on. I'm mistaken. Star Wars. <laughs> no, he's, but what I was trying to get to was to the people who bashed the prequels. There's a George Lucas does a lot of things well. I think he sees the overall story well. He you know when he was pitching star wars originally it was a very big uh just long tale and story he had already had mapped out and it was too big to make into a movie so he plucked a section out so um you know he has the overall story is good you know people might criticize his directing or his writing well he writes he does a good job with his writing what he's strong at is like throwing things in there that we don't really know what they mean Mm. but from context, we know what 's going on, you know, and he 's like just given like a, a built in history to this place and makes it feel a little more real mm. you know and then in his, his, his directing maybe the the images or where the actions are going is is very good he 's created not only Star wars but also indiana jones he 's created a lot of great stories that uh, you know have been great movies now, maybe he doesn 't direct the actors as far as how they deliver their dialogue very well, maybe he doesn 't write dialogue very well, so he 's not a perfect person, but yeah i' want I would want his input on. Mm-hmm the overall story and you know he might tell me something that it's like i wouldn't have thought of if i was jj J. abrams and go "Ooh," and and then you put that in the hands of maybe a different scriptwriter. writer you talk to somebody else and it and it and all those people together can sort of hammer out something that's going to be better than it would have been so i think it is a good thing to listen to george lucas for the for the overall overall idea about where you're going
1: mm-hmm yeah, I really, really like this. Like, I I hope that J.J. was actually kind of downplaying a little bit. I hope George Lucas's <laughs> fingerprints are all over this. I, I think that, you know, 42 years down the road, here we are. And, mm-hmm. Carl, as you said, love them, hate them somewhere in between, or mm-hmm. like, don't like directing, writing, whatever else. But, my goodness, how incredible is it that this little idea he had mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. spun off into a, a culture shifting phenomenon on, on so many levels from retail to cinema to sound design to special effects mm-hmm. to there is nothing when it comes to cinema that Star Wars has not influenced right. whether on screen or behind the scenes and mm-hmm. I think the same is true for kids marketing and kids toys and stuff uh, to a large extent as well I mean certainly that certainly the tie in with merchandise and film and i think that what ai i don't want to sound like jj's doing him a solid or doing george lucas <laughs> a favor but i mm-hmm. think what kind of not just brilliant but
0: mm-hmm.
1: also i think appropriate mm-hmm. extension of like come help help us collectively like right tie this thing up at the end
0: mm-hmm. so it'll be an, and go ahead carl I just, and I love J.J. J. Abrams too. I mean, I'm a big fan of, I've been watching stuff since Felicity and, but I will say as much as he can hook you, he is great at hooking you, getting mysteries going on. Um, you know, he writes some really good, you know, I guess emotional stuff at times, mm-hmm. but he does struggle with the landing. I have to say he struggles with ending stuff. And yeah. so, you know, Joe, George has had this thing mapped out forever and he may not have it Word for word, what exactly it's going to be, but he has a general idea of what it would end. And he's probably had several. He's probably changed as time goes on. So, yes, JJ, bring in George, and maybe, you know, he can help you with something that maybe you struggle with too. So,
1: I like it. I'm looking forward to this, and we'll probably never know exactly how or what George Lucas influenced on this film. Mm But my goodness, what, what an incredible opportunity for us as fans and, and viewers! Listen, Tonton, so that's going to wrap up our news. But stick around because we're going to jump into our closer look topic right after this. I'm going in closer to one of the big ones. Closer, come closer. I have the view. A certain point of view. Same thing I always do: talk my way out of it. The ability to
2: speak does not make you intelligent. I never ask that question until after
1: I've done it. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to
2: depend greatly on our own point of view.
1: Speaking of our own point of view, this closer look section tonight is brought to you by Total Custom Patches, the official patch and sticker provider for unmistakably Star Wars Total Custom Patches. Total solutions for all your patch needs. Learn more at (laughs) TotalCustomPatches.com. They didn't even pay for the jingle upgrade, but I gave it to you. I threw it in this week. I threw it in.
0: Ooh, All right. For service
1: it is. It is. All right. Listen, so we have jumped into our closer look topic for tonight. And tonight we are taking a look. How might a film hiatus after episode nine benefit the franchise and fandom? So, again, a little bit of context for you. There was a time not too long ago. And in this very galaxy that CEO Bob Iger said, Star Wars every year. Coming at you from now until the end of time. And then that got walked back. There was some, <laughs> I guess, some some speed bumps that were maybe unforeseen with directors and things like that. Mm. And most recently, Bob Iger, same Bob Iger, said, um, well, maybe a little <laughs> bit of a hiatus. Kathleen mm. Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm, said, ah, I think we're going to kind of figure out which direction we're going to go and maybe a little bit of a hiatus so carl let me begin with you tonight yeah. who do we believe bob Iger or bob Iger? <laughs>
0: <sighs> well i guess i'm gonna to go with bob Iger. yeah but, well uh,
1: I, and it was a tough
0: call i know it was um <laughs> I, I mean i hate it i really hate this but i think it's gonna be you know we're gonna take a little hiatus we're gonna take some time off um and you make it sound like know, a marriage good. retreat. We're just going to go kind of reconnect, <laughs> rekindle go, things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We need to, yeah, we need some, t- you know, we need some time to ourselves. We got to really, you know, work on us. A little yeah. Bit let's first. do a little Kitty G. To, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's coming. He's coming to Birmingham. Not too long. Uh, but anyway, um, not Bob G. Right. Church. Okay. <laughs> I assumed that, that okay. was the case, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, it's going to be a hiatus and we'll, t- I know you're gonna ask us more questions and so we'll get into probably why I hate it, but I. I I just, I, I'm just, I hate this, and uh, mm. and it'll, but we'll we'll have to wait a little while.
1: Well, Carl, let me follow up with you really quick. Mm. Why do you hate it? Okay. Oh, <laughs>
0: wow. I like I knew that question was coming. Okay. Um. Okay, we. It's like it's like we're saying, you know, it's like the people that sell you diamonds. Okay, diamonds are not as valuable as they appear to be, or as what they charge you, but because they can control the output or how many diamonds are out there then they can falsely you know falsify or or jack up the price a little bit okay supply and demand so yes but they are because they are rare Mm -hmm. but they're not really but because of the rarity it's not necessarily that they're great in and of themselves but because they're hard to get Mm -hmm. that makes them valuable okay star wars and i've said this before i'll say it again star wars is not valuable because it, it there's There's less of it, mm. you know, ooh, I have to wait for a while, so now my anticipation's building. ooh, no, Star Wars is good because it's Star Wars, so we shouldn't if we have to take time up apart we have if we have to put space between the movies so that people can re up their excitement and energy for going to the movie, we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. there's so much out there that you can do well um there are so many stories. There are good writers, directors. There are so many places you can... It is a whole galaxy. It is, you know, bigger than our planet, and we tell tons of stories about just our little planet. So, there is a whole other galaxy that you can... It's wide open. You can make it anything you want to do, and yet we can't seem to find the right people or the right timing to tell a good enough story that everybody wants to come see it. So, that's why I hate it. That's why I don't like it. It is... It's like saying we have to we have to gin up excitement for Star Wars by sort of holding back the supply.
1: Mm. So for you, it's not so much about building up the anticipation as it is just get your house in order. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that, and that's fair. I think a lot of people will probably resonate with that. Whereas. Hey, look, be it every year or every other year or whatever else, you don't need to build my anticipation for Star Wars. It's Star Wars for crying out loud. Yes, yes. But
0: <laughs> what I don't
1: necessarily need is all the drama in between. Right. Barb, let me ask you from, from your perspective when it comes to this talk about hiatus, do you think that this is the right decision? Do you think it's like, whoa, what's up with the backpedaling? Do you think that we're, it's actually going to be a hiatus?
2: Well yes, a couple of questions there. <laughs> Do I think the hiatus is a good thing? I would say at this point, yes. Okay. We're coming to the end of the sequel trilogy, the Star Wars saga. We don't know how it's gonna end. But just with you know, this this big Disney Star Wars that started in twenty fifteen with the release of The Force Awakens, it yeah. makes sense to me when they're done this trilogy. Let's take a break for a bit from the theatrical part of it. Okay. Because we've got some other Star Wars avenues that we're going down that they're not taking a break from. Sure. And I can't wait to see, you know, the Mandalorian and right. what's going to come from that. But, you know, I tend to disagree a little bit with Carl on this topic just because I think that we got a little oversaturated mm. with Star Wars too quickly. Mm. It it it's hard. I don't want to compare it to Marvel in in this sense because Star Wars was we get a movie every three years, mm-hmm. three movies, right, and then we're done for a while, right, and then we get a movie every three years, yeah, and then we're done for a while, yeah, and then suddenly 2015 rolls around, we get a movie, we get a movie, we get a movie, we get a TV show, we get it, right. and. Star Wars fans are different than other fans, and it
1: better, I think, is the word you're looking for. Go ahead, (laughs) proceed.
2: But I'm just saying, it was a lot at once. Yeah, there's a lot of fans that love all the content coming at them right away and want more and more and more, and that's great. And then there's a lot of fans that don't like that, and then there's those Star Wars fans that you know they're critical. And I think that's what's happening with Bob, Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy is that there's been backlashes with some of the movies mm. and so much criticism from Star Wars fans, which frustrates me because mm. it's Star Wars that we love. Yeah. But to say that that has not had an effect on Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger's vision mm-hmm. and that they weren't going to take a hiatus and yeah. now they are. I think it's wrong to think that this criticism hasn't affected their decision to take a break for a bit.
1: Yeah. I, and I think that you, you wonder, right. There's an old saying in, in business that is under promise over deliver. Mm-hmm. And we kind of wonder if they kind of reverse that. And it was like, you're getting, it's it's almost like Oprah, you get a car, you get a car. And it was like, <laughs> you're getting a movie, you're getting a movie. that And you know, at one point it was like, We're going to have the Skywalker trilogy every other year. And in between there, we're going to have this thing called Star Wars Anthology. Oh, wait, it's not anthology. It's a Star Wars story. And and then even that got scaled back to a point of like juggling release dates. And all of a sudden, instead of every year, we've got like a gap of six months. And the movie's not even promoted that well. And it just seemed like Mm -hmm. who's steering the ship, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to point fingers at any one person. I'm just saying generically speaking, it just as a fan has felt like, Uh, an uneven sea where where I'm getting kind of tossed about. And I just, I just want to have some stability.
2: And as a star Wars fan, and I'm not saying I didn't like what we've had since 2015, but that quality over quantity was what was resonating with me. And I, I would rather have one star Wars movie every three years. If the quality is better than the quantity Mm. you know you know what i mean so but but again before anybody asks me i'm not saying that the quality (laughs) has been terrible because i've said how much i love the last jedi how much i love the force awakens and things like that i just think that there's a lot of fans that might also think that maybe we need a bit of space between it and really focus on getting the story out there that is quality over quantity
1: let me follow up barb because you brought one thing up in your initial response and you used the word fatigue mark hamill as recently as about a week and a half ago through social media had said you know it's probably time for some type of hiatus i'm in his words i'm worried about fatigue star wars fatigue that means it's just going to be something so monotonous that it's just it's too much is there such a thing in your opinion
2: as star wars fatigue yeah I, not from my perspective, but I think there's such a thing out there in fans. Yes.
1: Okay. All right. Well, and listen, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that when Disney rebooted the franchise, I had a very, very rough first year and a half to two years (laughs) because there was so much content and I was trying to like keep up with everything, comics and books and, you know, the films and and everything else. And I, I finally had to go like, okay, time out, big fella. Let's dial it down. Let's, let's pick a thing or a couple things. And if you miss a book, you miss a comic or an entire comic line, like it's, it's going to be
2: okay. And that's something I said coming onto to the podcast three years ago yeah. is that it's hard to be a Star Wars fan right now and keep up with everything because yeah. it's it, – you can't help but get from the fans that love everything and know right. every fact and have read every single piece right. of material right. – Will say that you're not a true fan because you don't read the comics or you weren't born yeah, right. in the 70s. Baby,
1: I've got the members only jacket to it, prove it. I'm, I'm in. Exactly. I'm it's, in.
2: You know, it's like this competition yeah. sometimes with Star Wars fans. And you know, I'm. I have a family. I have three kids. I cannot keep up with all the yeah, content it's out time there. Time to ditch a kid. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying right now to read, you know, master, and even Han Solo
1: jettisons his cargo once in a while. Laura. <laughs> yeah. Just,
2: you know, just saying. It's just <laughs> a thought. It's just a thought. And you know no what? No judgment. And you know what? Disney and Lucasfilm can thank me for bringing Whoa. three yeah. younglings up in the Star totally. Wars universe to like the new totally. content. So totally. I'm just. So I'm not going to ditch that. But yes, <laughs> it is. It's just very hard to be a fan in every single avenue that's coming out now. So you do have to pick and choose. Yeah,
1: And so just to follow up really quickly on that, I think anybody, anybody who is somehow a gatekeeper to fandom that's based on gender or knowledge or time spent or date on a birth certificate... Um, those should be very small voices Those, Like we shouldn't pay any attention to voices like that. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yes. Mm. Carl, let me throw it back to you. Uh, you mentioned that uh, hiatus, no need for hiatus. Do you think there's such a thing as too much? Is there such a thing as star Wars fatigue as Mark Hamill put it?
0: No, there's just, you know, as Barb said, she wants good quality. Well, if you, if you do excellent quality with all the ones that you do, then people aren't going to be fatigued. That's what I'm saying. You know something is you're not doing something right if you have to if you have to have a yeah. hiatus between yeah. all that stuff, um, and you know we've got I mean Dave Filoni is out there doing stuff who would who would not love to see Dave Filoni take some of maybe what he's done in animation and bring it to the big screen or do something original on the big screen sure I'd love that you know we've got in the ones that are already doing them the Ryan Johnson Benny Offenweiss, and I'm excited about mm-hmm. those guys you mm-hmm. know um, there are lots of people out there who do good jobs writing stuff um they're successful pull pull some of those people up you know pull up pull up some women and minorities that haven't had a, a chance mm. yet either you know sure d- there there are it is a huge canvas with i mean you could some people can focus on the force and some people can totally ignore the force there is so many different things that you could do with it that uh, i i think the possibilities are are limitless. And so there's no need to have a self-imposed time between you just do good quality.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It's hard to push back against
1: that. It really is because we shouldn't feel the need to have to absorb everything that is put before us. I mean, that would, that would be the equivalent of going to the buffet and just continuing to fill up your plate with everything at the buffet and then going back for more. And trust me,
0: I've done that. Um. <laughs> it's not good. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. You know, we've, we've talked about Marvel a lot here. I read comic books a lot when I was in junior high, high school and some into college. But at some point, I financially couldn't keep up with it. You know, I started, you know, I did get a job so I could then afford it. But then I didn't have time to do it. And then I have a family. So, so I love comic books. I haven't really read a comic book in a long time. I'll occasionally pick one up in the bookstore or something like that and yeah. look through it um but i can't i don't honestly i don't follow storylines like i've talked to people who have and i'll just sort of know what's going on you know with captain america here there you know who's the new captain america that sort of thing what's going on with the x-men i'll talk to other people every once in a while they'll tell me some storylines but i haven't actually picked up and read the comic um but i can go to all the marvel movies i mean And I can go to those and there's Easter eggs that I may not get. Like I didn't, like for instance, have y'all seen Into the Mm Spider-Verse and Spider-Man Homecoming? Okay. Um, Watching Spider-Man Homecoming, I didn't realize that um, Donald Glover was playing the uncle of Miles Morales. You know, they didn't even mention Miles Morales. But that's what he was, that's who he was. And then we see Miles Morales and his uncle in Into the Spider-Verse. And it's like, oh, that's who Donald Glover's playing. Mm. So I didn't get the Easter egg when I saw... Spider-Man Homecoming, but I still enjoy the movie. But then there's somebody who, who was that invested, who knew all the Miles Morales storyline and knew, oh, that's his uncle. He, he's referring to Miles Morales, even though we didn't get his name or scene. So things like that can happen. And if you've invested a lot into it, it's nice for you. But, you know, as somebody who doesn't follow it anymore, I still watch the movie and, and loved and enjoyed the movie. So, you know, there's, there's no pressure to, to keep up with everything. You don't have to. If they make the movies, you can, they will make the movies. And even Dave Filoni talked about this when he the Twin Sons episode. He had Aunt Veru saying, "Luke, come in. Time for dinner." Just so everybody knew that Obi Wan was on Tatooine, watching over Luke. Which it's like, well, who doesn't know that? But he just he came with the with the idea that there's somebody out there. This may be the only thing they've ever seen in Star Wars, so we're we're not going to assume everybody knows everything. So if it's important for that story, they'll put it in the movie. And you'll enjoy it. So, you know, watching the movies is the easiest thing to do for me. So I can keep up with that. I can not keep up with all the stuff that goes on in the Star Wars. I can't read every book or comic book. But I can sit and watch the movies. And, and that's that's what, you know, if it was twice a year, that's not a whole lot of time to spend doing that.
1: I love how you said, what are the X-Men up to? Like you went to high school with them. That was amazing. <laughs> what are they up to? Um and i think that you you said that well carl in so much as understanding that we can gauge what's right for us just continue to keep the the spring flowing and and decide how much you want to take in which is great barb let me ask you since it would seem as of now today that we are going to have a hiatus in your mind is there an ideal length of time for a hiatus between Episode nine and whatever next film we get.
2: Yes, I don't know what that ideal amount of time is. Okay, I think that there is, and you know, as as Carl had mentioned, we have Benny and Weiss slated to do right. a trilogy, right. possibly Ryan Johnson, and right. and so if that's still the case, it would seem to me that a couple of years. Maybe we'll start getting an idea of another film trilogy or film series for Star Wars. But if they're talking about a hiatus, I would expect us not to see another Star Wars movie after the, the rise of Skywalker for at least two years.
1: Mm. I, I think that's probably going to be two years or, or more. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious. That would
2: be at least two years, what that means. And it,
1: <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Here's my question with that though is I, I would buy into that and I would even say, Hey, history says maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe once, once it begins up again, it's, I'm just saying this, I have no insider information, but Ryan Johnson trilogy, part one, the next year, Benny and Weiss part one, the next year, Ryan Johnson part two and so on and so on. So we've got, you know, a six year stretch there where we're getting, Every other year, we're getting an installment to these two trilogies. Here's what I can't, I guess, connect in my mind. We're taking a hiatus, apparently, but we just found out that Star Wars Celebration is going to be next year, 2020, mm-hmm. in Anaheim. And so I, like, I'm like, i so trying to figure that out in my mind. What does that mean? What? What aren't they telling us? Because I can't see going to a celebration, and we've had two episodes, or rather two seasons of... Resistance. Clone Wars is likely to be done by that point. We've had one season of The Mandalorian. We don't yet know when the Cassian Andor series is coming out. So usually celebration is, here's what's coming. And Mm -hmm. would you do a celebration and still have a a two to three year gap for the next films? I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I was asking the same question because I I, I had said that this was the celebration to be at. You know, getting the reveal for the trailer for episode nine and getting an idea of what the Mandalorian is, but celebration in a year, it's like, well, all of that will be done with. Yeah. Not that the Mandalorian's over, but there, right. won't, there's nothing else on the horizon. That's new.
1: Right. That we know of
2: that we know of. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a fun celebration. It just, yeah.
1: <laughs> that little Imperial officer Kels around. I'm telling you, <laughs> you're so will be sucked right out of your body. <laughs> she did it. Well, Yes. Carl, let me ask you though: when it when it comes to hiatus and 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 kind of, uh-huh. I guess, planning the trajectory of Star Wars releases, whether it's on film or Disney Plus, do you think that in terms of film hiatus, they're actually working at an advantage by having Disney Plus soon to be up and running?
0: Yeah, that that is an advantage because of the danger of a hiatus is kind of losing steam and having people. Uh, drift their interests in other places um, but with Disney Plus there will be like we've already talked about The Mandalorian and Clone Wars so people can focus on that and yeah. be excited for that because it's like well this is all the Star Wars we're getting this year it's mm-hmm. all the new Star Wars we're going to get and, and, and really uh, well it's going to be same year we have the Rise of Skywalker, but it's it's going to be the last new Star Wars we're going to have for a while, it appears. And then the next new Star Wars we'll have will be season two, I guess, of the Mandalorian. So it, it kind of focuses on that. It, it is an advantage for the stream that streaming service because people are going to grab it like it's the you know like a canteen in the desert. This is our last little bit. We gotta yeah. we just gotta sip it a little bit. We don't right. want to like use it all up too much, right?
1: I I'm curious though if we know that we've got two trilogies somewhere out there in the nebulous bar. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We also know that we've got at least two seasons of the Mandalorian. We're going to have at least one season of Cassian Andor, yet to be titled series. Do you think that Disney plus the streaming service is actually going to be used more as not just the IV drip, but also as the proving ground. In other words, I, I think there was some surprise by some, following the solo movie that oh my gosh infamous nest give us more infamous nest and like she wasn't even really on the radar other than here's this incredibly wardrobed costumed character that we don't know anything about and i'm curious if we go oh if, if there's somebody that stands out in the mandalorian or somebody that stands out in the cassian andor series they might go like okay Here's our next Star Wars story movie about this character. So do you think it's going to kind of be, in, in baseball terms, a, a minor league for them to kind of see what may work at a much bigger level? Because there's time-wise and dollar-wise, it's a much lower investment in the streaming service versus going for the blockbuster.
2: So in a way, they're testing the waters to I, that's, see. I'm curious if, yeah. if that's the case. I mean, that would be a wise thing to do. Uh, because you're right, with solo we got a few characters that were extremely intriguing. We got an end to the movie that didn't feel like an end. Yeah. You know, you want right. to know where it keeps right. going. So you know, who who would have known that Emphas Nest would have been that right. popular? Right. And so it does make sense that they're gonna use the avenue of Disney Plus that does have less of a commitment financially wise to right. see what is gonna be the trigger for fans to focus on that we can take to another avenue.
1: I think so. And I mean like emphasisness is such a great example. I mean we, we have to see more of that character, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. We have yeah. to. We have to. We have to see more of Kira. And yes. now that Daenerys is dead on game of- <gasps> I'm just kidding. I'm just I didn't spoil anything for you. Stop it. Stop it. You can add Barb. Um, Daenerys is not dead. Relax. Yet. But <laughs> I mean, oh, ouch. there's all this
2: crimson dawn that came yeah. out of solo and yeah. mm-hmm. um despite the fact that oh, why is his name Mall? No.
1: Dryden Voss Dryden Voss yes. is
2: killed, but then we have Mall and Kira kind of taking Dryden Voss's yeah. position at yeah. the end of a standalone movie it's like yeah. okay that was a really cool ending but we need more right and so are they gonna give us more and at what point are they gonna do that
1: yeah i and i want to see that and listen there i know that they chose cassie and andor but any of those characters mm-hmm. from rogue one i think would make a super compelling
0: oh, story absolutely. for a,
1: a streaming series so we'll, we'll see what goes all right so far let me ask this as we begin to land the shuttle on this one um from a scale of one to five one meaning absolutely hate the idea of a hiatus five meaning I love the hiatus give me hiatus where are you I'm... don't say three three is not an option
2: <laughs> I, was gonna, <laughs> I was actually gonna say 3.5 oh, but that's gosh. not an option either I can tell mm. so I'll, I'll say a four
1: okay so you're in favor of it this is when some...
2: it, when it comes to theatrical content sure
1: right. I want to be right. very specific right. on that right Okay, so theatrical content leaning in the direction of, yeah, it's, it's actually, you're okay with it.
2: Okay with a hiatus that's two to three years, but no more.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they'd push it off longer than that. No, right? they I shouldn't. Mean, <laughs> they have just unveiled uh, part one of Star Wars Land on the West Coast, and they'll unveil the, the part uh, two Star Wars Land on the East Coast here soon. Hey, Carl, I, we you have clearly made your point that you are not for the oh, hiatus. Yes. And so I'm mm-hmm. going to go out on a limb here and think that you're going to say um, a one.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I might say something cute like negative two. but sure. Right. It, it's a To keep it in your scale, yes, one is where I am. Okay. I, I'm going to
1: uh, – this whole hiatus thing is predicated on assuming that that means quality. And Marvel has shown us that hiatus and – quality of film aren't necessarily intertwined that you can have quality but still have machines cranking out the movies right (laughs) so let's assume that maybe we go on hiatus for a little bit maybe they have their halftime talk they get pumped up right they drink their gatorade and they come back Mm -hmm. and maybe going forward Rebooting the reboot, but going forward from 2020, maybe that hiatus is is over with in the sense that like okay, here's our game plan, and going back to Marvel, Marvel has done that at cons where they've been like, and here's what's coming, and here's what's coming, and here's what's coming, and then they brought out like the actors and, and the celebrities that are going to be in those things. So I, the model exists to do that. So. Mm-hmm. I'm in favor of let's have a little hiatus, a little halftime. Grab a Gatorade, have your orange slice, right? Get your <laughs> electrolytes, and then let's get back in there, winner. And yeah. um, in, in the t- in the words of John Favreau from Rudy, who's the wild man now? See, <laughs> I think that
2: would be great for celebration 2020 in that right now at this point we don't hear about any new content yeah we have new content coming but it's all stuff we know about right if from this point to celebration 2020 we didn't hear about anything yeah and then suddenly at celebration they reveal a whole bunch of things that will be coming that would be cool
1: i mean i think they have to because if they have a celebration immediately after having a celebration and they don't have any new announcements there there will be well it won't be pitchforks and torches it'll be special effects lightsabers and nerf guns but nonetheless like we will storm the bastille we yes. will storm the bastille yes that's a good canadian french reference for you right yeah. it's not canadian at all it's from france <laughs> no, but canadian french walmart kmart Barb. it's all the same don't worry about it,
0: don't worry about it. All, the it's all the same it's not american and we don't know nothing. exactly about. america <laughs> America. America.
1: All right. Wow. Um, before this completely goes <laughs> off the rails, um, stick around because we're not done with you yet.
2: We're not done yet.
1: I confess to you guys as we slide into uh, this part of the night and to wrap stuff up. I was tempted because Eve is usually my, my wingman, wingwoman, <laughs> wing person here. I was tempted to come back and do the announcements in my faux Eve impersonation voice. But
0: my throat <laughs> is
1: really raw right now, so I, I don't think I can do it. Um, but uh, <laughs> get get some coffee at the Wawa. Um, I know No, that, that's way too high Pitch huh coffee at the wall wall um, Nonetheless little Tauntauns um, Carl And Jeremy just released the, the Force Discourse the Force Discourse Is back the Force Discourse is of course Our kind of deconstruction Of Star Wars novels And Carl give a little kind of plug For what you guys talked about on This episode of the Force Discourse
0: Yeah well Jeremy And I uh, we went back to The legends we've been for a long time, just kind of doing the new canon books. But we went back in Legends to the first book in the Darth Bane trilogy uh, by Drew Carpesian, And it's called Path of Destruction. So the great thing about this one is we were recording in the same room for the first time ever. I was with another member of Unmistakably Star Wars as we recorded. If you don't count the uh, what we did at Celebration Pod Stage. But anyway, we did that and it was most enjoyable for me to be able to do that. And I think it comes across a little more natural too with us going off each other, but it, it is a great book. The whole trilogy is great. And so, um, we went, we, so I just suggest if you have read it, cause there's a lot of, we talk about a lot of spoilers in there, read it. If you have it, and if you have read it, you know, check it out, listen to us. Maybe you'll want to read it again. Cause it is that good.
1: Yeah. Drew Carpegian seems to really be able to nail these characters so well. And Listen, I have no idea what it takes to describe a battle scene well, but he seems mm-hmm. to really have that gift. I will also say that Path of Destruction should make an incredible, incredible either band name or title for a Metallica album. <laughs> either way, is perfectly great. Path of Destruction. I love that. Hey, you, awesome. you might also be familiar with our latest YouTube series, Prequels and a Pint. We are right now in the midst of breaking down the Phantom Menace. Here's what's crazy. We're about seventeen episodes into <laughs> Prequels in a Pint, and yeah. we're only about 37 minutes into the film. <laughs> it's oh, it's awesome. Love it. Yeah, these, cause these these prequels in a pint, it's like five, six minute chunks. It's just like mm-hmm. you can you can watch it as you as you walk to the water cooler at work, be done by the time you get back. It, it's been such a blast to do that. And speaking of YouTube. We've got some other stuff that's right around the corner for you guys. Coming in May, we've got two brand new series coming for you, one entitled In the Studio. We're going to be taking a a look at a variety of creative expressions within fandom, from photography to set design to even repurposing Star Wars toys, collectibles, and more. Did I just say repurpose Star Wars collectibles? Is that even (laughs) allowed? My goodness. But we're going to take a look at that. So... I'm excited about that. I was actually setting up uh, a, a studio, my my workshop outside the house is going to be the location for some of the stuff. But I know we're also going to have some some other things from from sewing to photography to. We actually have uh, a friend of the pod, Jason Anderson, who's going to actually show us how to make our own six inch uh, action figures. Whoa! So I'm kind of excited about
0: that. We might even get is going to look. Is it going to look like you? Or are you going to make it like you as a Star Wars character? No, no.
1: If I make it like me, I'll definitely make it more trimmer on the waistline. <laughs> ah, that was funny. Just the awkward silence after that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other series that we have coming up on YouTube, we're, we're entitling it, Size Matters Not. Listen, I don't know about you, dear Unmistakably Star Wars listener, but some of us... Uh, myself at the front of this line, some of us uh, struggle with just trying to keep balance in life. And I know for myself, weight is something that I have struggled with my entire life from early childhood through now. And I've gone up and down a scale um, more times than any roller coaster I've been on. And so we said, like, why don't we actually kind of get together and, and actually encourage one another? And so we're producing a YouTube series entitled Size Matters Not – and it's just going to kind of document as an ongoing series our team's journey to find balance in life. And the series is going to follow our team in some of our daily physical and emotional struggles and our victories as well. And it's also going to have some Patreon-exclusive episodes, as will In the Studio, the series. And both of those are going to begin in May. So listen, if you're looking for either, I guess, the the Pinteresty side and creative side of things, or you're looking for just really kind of a, a transparent view into fellow star wars fans uh, both of these series are for you so we can't wait to share them with you with that speaking of sharing sharing is caring and we could not do this without our patrons and their sharing and their generosity so to you brandon boylan jim Capron, derek davernay dave hackerson michelle Grandine, matthew keegan Chris Letty, Steve Long, Neil Lowry, Mario Piper, Kyle Russell, Regina Sanders, Connie Shee, Aaron Sinner, Kristus Molinsky, Franklin Taylor, Rick Villanueva, Mike Ward, and the very fabulous Amy Wishman. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. We hope that you've been enjoying all of the early release episodes for YouTube as well as the Patreon exclusive episodes that only you are getting. It is our pleasure to bring those to you because of your generosity. That's going to do it for this time my Little Tauntauns. We'll see you next time in the Digital Docking Bay. And until then, may the Force be with you.
0: Unmistakably, Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at Weareescapepods.com and on Twitter at weareescapepods. Pods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.